welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I am your host, Joshua Tracy. And I'm your other host, Corwin Heller. And welcome to the Thursday morning, I guess, episode of the show. Um, still a lot of baseball stuff happening. Still not caring about football until the draft happens and more roster moves get wild and weird. Um, but speaking of wild and weird, I guess we'll start here, actually. The MLB today, which is um, April 14th, how to think about that, uh, announced more rule changes that they're going to be experimenting with in um, indie ball. Now, the Atlantic League is a non-affiliated league, but they are partnered with the MLB for a lot of this type of shit. Um, and the in years past, they've tried out a bunch of different rules in the Atlantic League that have been slowly creeping their way into the minors and even at some points the majors, things like um, the, the pitch clock have, have been attempted there, larger bases, stuff like that. Um, some of which is now in the minors and some of which we have in the majors universal dh is probably coming soon and you know they're treating it as the testing ground once again with two new rule changes one of which has been talked about a lot especially in the past few years one of which has been i've heard about but i haven't given any serious thought to because it seemed too hypothetical but is uh being tried out in real baseball so the first one is moving the mound back a foot. Now, a couple years ago, I think, the last year we had like a full minor league season, the MLB did push back the mound in, I want to actually say it was also the Atlantic League, although it might have been low A, um, six inches. And so I don't know what they saw that they liked or if that experiment was inconclusive. But now the mound, instead of being um, 60 feet, six inches, will be 61 feet, six inches from home plate. Uh, so Corwin, what do you think about that? <laughs> so physics wise, what that would do is increase velocity, but also increase the amount of time it would take for batters to be able to recognize the pitch, correct? mean by increased velocity like they'd be able to like the velocity crossing home plate would be higher i imagine it'd be lower because it's a longer distance the ball has to travel see i always remembered it being when it was first explained to me the first time we talked about this i think we discovered it was like counterintuitive oh you're thinking of the movement movement would be greater because it gives more t right. uh, more time for pitches to break I want to look this up because I feel like I, that's what I remember it being like moving the mound back would increase velocity. And that was crazy to me. Then it doesn't make sense now, but I don't remember any of the science as to why, or if it's the case and I'm just pulling that out of my ass. Um, pitch velocity mound. Move. The sound of Googling very common. In this podcast. Do, 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 yeah. Do, do. Nope, it would decrease. Uh, MLB says moving the mound back by a foot will convert a 93.3 mile per hour fastball, the MLB average in 2020, to a 91.6 mile per hour fastball. 
Yeah, so I, I to a large extent, I get their trade off. You know, it's pitches will be a little bit slower by the time they actually hit home plate, you know, cross home plate. So in theory, you have more time to react and, you know, get your bearings and whatnot. I do also get the idea of the wilder and wackier movement of pitches that are allotted more time to break. But what percent out of curiosity, I'll do, I'll do a stack cast search right now. Um, if you had to guess what percent of pitches do you think are fastballs though? Four, four seam fastballs, straight up regular fastballs. In all of MLB? Yeah. 53.6. Because that's the only thing I could think of as being a true mitigating factor for the, for the movement is that maybe, maybe the regular straight moving fastball slowing down enough since it is going to be the most common thrown pitch is what they'd want because even a good amount of movement on, you know, sliders and whatnot, they're not going to be thrown as much as a fastball and getting good movement on your fastball is still, you know, hard. Okay. Hold on. So, uh, non sequitur here while you're looking that up. Uh, do you listen to Talking Baseball with John Boy and Jakey? When I have the time. Did you hear? I don't. I think it wasn't the most recent, but the previous episode where they discussed Lance Lynn and his previous outing. Uh, no, tell me about it. Uh, he threw uh, a hundred and eleven pitches. Yes, he threw a hundred and eleven pitches. How many of those in his last outing over the course of nine innings were non-fastballs? All right. How many pitches again? 111 pitches. How many were not fastballs? How many of them were not fastballs? All right. So it's Lance Lynn, who is Mm -hmm. a fastball hurler um, in a way that makes just no sense. Um, So I want to go really high. At the same time, you still have to throw eventually something that's not a fastball. So I'll go with like 75%. So I'll say he threw like 30 non-fastballs. Three. Fuck you. He threw three. All of them were in the first inning. So you're telling me he threw 109 fastballs? 108. 108 fast. That fuck you. Fuck you. No, he didn't. I don't believe you. I trust John Boy. I also don't know where to look it up. So baseball reference, I'm going to assume. No, I should go to StatCast. Imagine if I did this before I asked the question and checked my word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I'm also discovered. I constantly, constantly overestimate how good I am. (laughs) at using the search function in StatCast, I'm really bad at it. Like, I have the pitch type. I have the pitch type. Game logs. Here we go. 
which one of these? All right, here we go. April 8th. Okay. Okay. Lance Lynn. Okay. How do I get that breakdown? What am I doing here, people? What am I doing here? <laughs> oh, buddy. I feel like you need to talk talk a little bit while I figure myself out because oh my wait. goodness. <laughs> wait, you see the this problem, Corwin. Hours. The pro <laughs> the problem here is that I also have no idea what I'm doing at the moment. <laughs> so I am scrolling. That catch. I am scrolling oh, desperately uh, through, <laughs> through baseball savant. Uh, Trying to figure out what the fuck I'm doing. I don't want individual pitchers. Show me the whole league. Okay, here we go. This is... No. Maybe. No. Holy shit. Like this, honestly, in its own little way, um, is like the ultimate... All right, now things just aren't, how do I, oh, this is 414. I don't want that. I want the eighth. <laughs> the, what the fuck is going on? Why is this like this? Dude, Here we I go. Don't... Kyle Zimmer. No, I don't want the Royals. I want the other team. I don't know how to go. Here we go. Um, count percentage. See, now that just doesn't look right. Oh, wait. I think I'm, I'm getting there. Okay, yep. He threw. Okay, we're here. All right, you ready, Josh? You ready to party? Yeah, sure. All right, 111 pitches. Four seam fastball. He threw 41. Okay. Sinker, 34. AKA the two-seam fastball. Cutter. Cut fastball. 33. Curveball, two. Not a fastball. Changeup, one. Looks like a fastball, but not a fastball. Well, goddamn. Hell yeah. Spin. Do you know what his spin rate is on his fastball? 2500 rpm 2610 jesus christ i thought i was going over uh his sinker 2995 all right so i wanted a breakdown of all the pitches but i guess stack is a little bitch and won't do it so i do have the percent of pitches that are thrown as fastballs um for every given year um Actually, okay. let's go back. Let's go back all the way to 2008 since they have it here. And why not? We're here doing the search anyway and see what they say. So since 08, 61.3% of all pitches thrown are fastballs of some variety. Sure. That is the that that is the vast majority, especially when you consider how many different types of pitches you have the av availability of seeing or ability of seeing, throwing, hitting. I don't fucking know. So Back to the fucking topic, which um, I think we started discussing 10, 15 minutes ago before we got into the searching. 
Um, maybe they consider that a worthwhile trade-off because the guys who are going to be getting really spicy movement on their breaking balls might have a difficult enough time controlling it. Oh, all right. So hold on. How about this as a theory? I'm not saying I buy this as I never say, usually say with my ideas because they can be, you know, wrong and bad. Um, How about this as an idea? Sure. If you have extreme movement that would be generated within that last extra foot, since that's what MLB is going with, that might end up leading to a lot higher walk rates if those pitches end up dancing out of the zone and batters don't swing at them, a.k.a. the Adam Adovino treatment. Now, if that happens league-wide to pitchers that throw a lot of breaking stuff that is very good at breaking, it might end up leading to them throwing less breaking stuff because they'd have such inflated walk rates and it would eventually come back to bite him in the ass. That would also lead them to then throwing more fastballs because they're breaking stuff or throwing stuff that breaks less either way, which would lead to slower stuff that is in the zone with a little bit less movement. Yeah. I mean, I think if you looked at guys like Tyler Glass now or, or Max Fried, who we'll get to later, who throw these, you know, big looping curveballs, you know, pitches with massive amounts of movements, you move them back a foot. It's like relearning how to throw that pitch. And I feel like it's going to completely throw off their feel for the strike zone. Uh, and, I mean, we're seeing, you know, we saw Max Fried break out, you know, starting last year. We saw... Tyler Glass now start to do it, and this year he's kind of taking off again. I think you're really going to fuck with a lot of pitchers by moving it back where, you know, Lance Lynn throwing 108 fastballs in a game. The fastball's going essentially where it's going to go, one foot ahead, one foot behind, wherever you, you need to put it. A curveball with, you know, huge, you know, three feet of movement over whatever, uh, the 61.6 feet. What's going to happen? I mean, I feel like there's going to be a ton of guys that are going to walk a ton of guys that get hit with these off-speed pitches and a ton of pitchers that are just fucking lost on the mound because this is completely new for them. I mean, yeah, it's going to, it's going to change arm slot. You know, it's going to change release point. Well, it might not change arm slot, but it'll probably change release point. Um, I imagine it would have to. Uh, and again, if you don't change anything about how you throw in any capacity and only change the distance, that foot, I think, will end up, or at least I, I think MLB hopes that that foot will end up mattering. And so I'm not saying that there wouldn't also be an increase in strikeouts. I think both can go hand in hand as it will take a while for batters to also adjust to that additional foot. A batter's timing right now is accustomed to that distance. A lot of that is built into the muscle memory of how long it takes pitches to actually reach you to some varying degree. And it'll take a little bit of extra. You are muted, my friend. Um, 
Which is why Zach Grinke's EFIS is the most effective pitch in baseball. Yes. Yeah. He should exclusively throw it. The all EFIS perfect game. Um, EFIS fishing. Can I throw a non sequitur in? Yeah, go for it. Now that I've taken you completely out of the mindset of what you were talking about. (laughs) Go right ahead. uh, I found Arizona iced teas, full-size cans, for 56 cents. Fuck out of here. get my vaccine shot. Went to get my vaccine shot, sat there for an hour and a half, and they had 56 cent cans right there. I bought like eight of them. That's ridiculous. That should be against the law. Arnold Palmer's turning in his grave. Oh, well. Yeah. Um, all right. So it, it's a wacky rule. Now, let me ask you this. All right. Let me ask, let me, let me ask you this. Do you care? Yes. Why? Surprising, I know, but I finally care about something. Um, oh, that one cut deep. Uh, <laughs> Self burn. Those are rare. Uh, no, they're not. <laughs> I care because we're <laughs> touche. Uh, we're seeing a lot of pitchers really throw. Like, I care because I don't want shit to get fucked up. The way baseball is now, the way it is with you know pitchers getting you know crazy movement and having control. I don't want them to fuck it up just to artificially increase batting average, artificially increase, you know, the the ability for hitters to succeed and 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 boost offense. I don't want that. I, I want baseball in this regard to stay the same. I just, you know, if it's a safety concern, sure. If it's, you know, trying to drum up offense because we're in a new dead ball era, sure. But at the end of the day, baseball's fine in that regard. I don't think, you know, I don't think this is what needs to get changed. And I think we're just focusing on the wrong things, which by all means is the MO of Major League Baseball. As we will get to with the next rule we're going to discuss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, what would you think if they coupled this rule? If they were like, all right, we're moving the mound back a foot, but we're also letting all pitchers use pine tar. think i'd be okay with it i think i would say these things even out we're clean we're out yeah honestly i would too because i mean obviously i think both of us would take pine tar today um mm -hmm. not like take it like a drug like accept it as welcome to the rules no (laughs) No one no one please do not ingest please don't ingest pine tar um yeah right right in the veins i am an oak uh or a pine but whatever uh (laughs) I hate myself. Uh, <laughs> that hey, you know, so pine happy. tar from walnut trees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but sir, is that pine tar in your arm? No, this is a sycamore sap. Uh, this is legal. <laughs> this is fine. That's, that should Rob, be how they get around know, it. Mr. Like, Manfred, he, he thinks this is fine. This is okay. They didn't say I couldn't use sycamore sap. Uh, sir, this is Aunt Jemima maple syrup. Uh, <laughs> it's honey. It's natural. I grew the bees myself. A bee, a bee landed on my forearm and dropped the honey. I didn't do it. I don't know how that pollen got there, sir. Oh, imagine if that's the new way around. It is guys are smothering their arms in pollen, so bees 
pollinate and just like drop remnants of honey that they can use. Every uh, guys start getting uh, flower tattoos <laughs> to try to trick the bees into landing on them. Drop off their pollen. So, my, so you're telling me Mike Clevenger is that's like, exactly who I was thinking. Light of, years yes. ahead of the curve. I think he is. Oh. I think this is his plan. This is how he got. Can so I just good. say how much I miss that man? Yeah, it's a shame. I'm sure he's happy elsewhere. Being spiritually a padre. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's let's talk about the next rule because we spend a lot of time talking about the first one. Uh, and that is the double hook. So Corwin, are you aware of the double hook? Is it a sex thing? Not yet, but it will be. Then no. By the time this podcast is through. Um, <laughs> so this this I, I had heard as a concept um, every, here and there. The idea is that you lose the DH after the starting pitcher leaves the game. So that the double hook is you give the starting pitcher the hook, take him out of the game, that also loses you the DH spot. This has come up in conversations that I've either heard or had around giving the National League fans some middle ground in a universal DH environment. So now before I keep going, I, I wanted you to address the face you're making and tell me what you think about this rule off the bat. That's one of the stupidest fucking things I've ever heard. That's unbelievable. Now so what would be sorry, on one on one hand, you're killing the opener as a strategy. I was about to say, yeah, this completely. fucks the race. It's yeah. over. Yeah. Like fuck like what ha- like that completely changes the strategy of pulling pitchers as well like shit like blake snell blew up yesterday gave up three runs loaded the bases in the first inning they pulled him after you know two outs he threw like 40 pitches his night was done all of a sudden oh you're also down a batter as well well shit maybe we leave blake snell in maybe we hope he figures it out for one more batter maybe he can come back figure it out in the second Oh, instead of a three-one or a three-zero ball game, which you know is is you can come back from that, sure. Uh, which I actually also think it was like three-one, or but regardless, let's say he does blow up, gives up a grand slam, and then gets pulled. Oh, okay, so now it's seven nothing. Cool, all because we can't pull our starting pitcher because then we lose a position. That's the most outrageous fucking thing. That's. What's the defense? Again, the uh, the idea National here, League? yeah, the idea here is that you know the National League purists of the world who want to see pitchers try to swing wood, um, this would be the middle ground with them, which is that in late innings when it matters the most, you would get the chance to see uh, Taiwan Walker or um, Edwin Diaz attempt to swing a ball, swing a bat. Now. I don't think this would at all be accepted. Yeah, Walker's in the AL. Oh, he is in the AL. Are you, wait, he's not on the Mets? No, he's on the J. Oh, he is on the Mets. Yeah, I was going to say, I yeah. thought he was on the Mets now. Shit, no, you're right. I'm wrong. I'm an asshole. Mm. Eh, such things happen in life. Um, but I don't think you could do this effectively without um, increasing the size of the, the roster. You know, it's got to go from... 26 man to honestly fucking like maybe 30 because 
if you're telling me that that entire strategy of an opener being gone or the entire way the American League has been playing baseball for 50 years and have built their rosters accordingly will disappear, pinch hitting is going to become a bigger part of the game. Now, I know National League rosters do this now, right? But at the same time, what does the American League benefit from this happening? Fucking nothing. So on, if, if they were going to have it happen, the only way I would imagine they would be comfortable, I'll put comfortable in air quotes there, doing it is if they have the ability to do all these pinch hits uh, or have all these pinch hitters available to try to mitigate the problem that would be having relief pitchers pitch, especially as you said, Corman, since now we are in an era where five innings pitched is fine because you have your bullpen. And that would then mean, mm-hmm. though, that four innings, you'd have a chance of your pitcher coming up, whether it be in a big spot or small, just chewing an out in a game that is a, <laughs> where outs are, you know, pretty fucking precious. So there's that. And even just conceptually, I don't know why an American League team would do this, would agree to this universally. I don't know what they would stand to oh. gain. Obviously, you know, you can take this as being a, a gimme to the national league teams to try to get them on board to get them into the universal DH environment. But what the fuck does the American league get out of this? All they get out of this is when they play in national league stadiums. Now they get a DH and the other over 80, you know, a hundred some odd games a season, they don't get a DH for as many at bats as they normally do, which is such a huge loss for them. I, I, it, yeah. How many interleague games does a team play in a it year? Just, Fucking 20? Like, why does this matter? I have no idea. Sorry. Go and ahead. at the end of the day, it's like, all right, everyone's talking about how badly they want a, a DH in the National League. Everyone wants it. Fans want it. The only people that don't are, are cranky old white men that make up 98% of baseball. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're going to make a change, why are you fucking up everyone's shit instead of just evening the playing field? Like if you're going to make a change, you do it to increase competitive balance, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. any change, any league in the history of, you know, organized sports. If you're changing the rules, you do it to make it more competitively balanced. This isn't doing that. This, if anything is making it more unbalanced and at the very worst, or at the very worst, it's making it more unbalanced. At the very best, it's just barely moving the needle whatsoever. Why not just even it completely? We're done. I, I don't, you know, I think a, a big part of it is um, National League fans who like the DH, I think, are uh, totally fucking stupid. Yep. If, if you're pointing at yourself, it's you included. Oh, sorry, sorry. like not having the DH. Sorry, like having pitchers hit. My apologies, I misspoke. Um, if yeah, you, smart again, nice. Yeah. If you like watching the pitcher, because it often boils down to this concept of strategy. You'd have the double switches, you have to know when to pinch hit, you know, you do a lot more, there's a lot more bunting, whatever. And the idea of strategy being a reason to not have the DH is like saying, well, before I run, I should shoot myself in the foot because then it's harder 
And that means I'll have accomplished something greater if I succeed. And no, all you've done is shoot yourself in the fucking foot for absolutely no goddamn reason. Do you know why teams that nationally do double switches to avoid the pitcher hitting? Or sorry, to, to try to more effectively pinch hit? Because they don't want to see their fucking pitchers hitting. You know why they have their pitchers bunt? Because they can't fucking hit. And is bunting easy? No, bunting's not easy. Nothing in baseball is fucking easy. Bunting's still easier than hitting. Otherwise, they let the pitchers just fucking swing all the time with men on bases. They're all strategies to avoid having the pitcher hit. So, first off, if you like the pitcher hitting, you're a fucking idiot. And that's the only person that I think that would get behind this idea. And why do you want to appeal to that guy? Why would you want to live in a universe where you're saying, I want Nelson Cruz to get 75% fewer at-bats? I want to live in a world where Giancarlo Stanton gets 60 to 75% fewer at-bats. I want Mike Trout to only get uh, three at-bats on his off day because he can't effectively DH when they don't want him to play center field and get tired and halfway through the season. Why would you want that? You wouldn't. You absolutely wouldn't, and there's no reason to. Um, I will say there are exactly two exceptions that I will allow for wanting to see pitchers uh, hit. Um, if I can find this stat in my goddamn... Here we go. All right. Uh, boom, boom, boom. And boom, boom, boom. Okay. I have two exceptions. One, Shohei Otani. I will allow him to hit whenever he feels like it. And if he is the pitcher that day, I want him to hit. That being said, he can be the DH. So that doesn't matter. The second is I want to see Zach Greinke get 10 career stolen bases and 10 career home runs. He has nine of each. I've said this before that well, I he want wouldn't get to hit in this situation. Because he's not, he, he'll be the starting pitcher, and the DH only gets lost after the starting pitcher gets pulled. Put him in for relief. That's the only way it would happen. Get that man at bats. Put him in at shortstop. He's been asking for years. But again, Josh, you make a fair point of both of these exceptions are kind of bullshit to begin with because they're loopholes. Loopholes. Many loopholes. It is a answer in search of a problem. Um, if you're a National League fan who doesn't like the DH, you're either probably still going to hate this anyway because you're still getting the DH in some capacity. And if you're a purist, it's not like you can go half in, half out on the whole purist part of it. Either you hate the DH and don't want to see it, so seeing it even if only for five or six innings is going to suck, or you want the DH and you're going to be mad at this because you're only getting the DH for like five or six innings. Like, it's that's just not how it works. Um, but you held the mic up to your mouth to shake your head. <laughs> this is an audio medium. <laughs> I have no excuse. Oh man, anyway, listen, um, it's better than me shaking my head and not holding the mic up and then not putting the mic up to speak later on because of that habit i'm sure. learning i'm getting there fair 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 um i'm actually going to skip over one of the items that we had to record just for a moment 
to ask, talk about the, the, the juicing of the balls. Um, so it was talked about before we went into this year, the season, that the MLB was considering de-juicing the balls, which everyone said, hey, doesn't that kind of mean you knew you juiced it in the first place? And MLB said, shh. Um, <laughs> so I was curious about um, how the stats have been falling so far in the first, you know, week and a half, two weeks of this of the season. So let's start by looking at exit velocity. As it stands right now, actually, hold on one second. I just want to make sure uh, that I've got it up. I have this up on my work laptop, which I'm really not used to having here. And I also really hope no one messages me like, Josh, what are you doing online? You could get me some work done. Um, anyway, Make it your raise. Fuck that. Um, I I would love a raise, but I'm also not going to work any harder for it. Jeez, what do I look like? I have a life. Anyway, <laughs> I'm a horrible employee. <laughs> That's not true. I'm a good employee, but I'm also very lazy. I think both things can be true at the same time. So correct. In I have this going back to 2015. As it stands right now, in 2021, the average exit velocity on batted balls is 90.8 miles per hour. That would be the highest of the StatCast era, with the next highest being last season at 90.5. And then it really just kind of goes backwards from there. In 2019, it was 90.3. 2018, it was 89.8. 2017, it was 89 flat. Um, That was kind of a down year, actually, um, with 2016 being 89.5 and and then 2015 being 89.3. So, point being, people are smashing the shit out of the ball at the best or highest um, miles per hour of the StatCast era thus far. So, let's look at, well, how fucking hard, how fucking, how fucking far are they hitting it? So, far? oh, by the way, sorry, I should say. Um, I only did fastballs so far because I was having a hard time with Statcast. It was being a bitch. Really, the reality is I am bad at this, but <laughs> because because it's very hard. But I figured I figured if we were going to see a big change, fastballs would be a good place to look because it's got a good shot of being one most commonly thrown pitch. I went with all types of fastballs, not just four seam, um, and I figured. Um, it's the most commonly thrown pitch. It's got our best odds of seeing something um, really get taken deep, get squared up. You know, it, it's it's easy like that. So for distance, Lance Lynn throws a lot of them. He apparently fucking does, man. He really fucking does. It's too many. Um, so let's looking at looking at distance. Twenty twenty one. And this, again, goes back um, to 2015. It's the farthest back it can go. Is the shortest distance the ball has traveled in the StatCast era. 190 feet on average is the average distance that batted balls have been hit coming from four-seam fastballs or coming from fastballs. Hmm. The high water mark was two seasons ago in 2019 when the average distance was 200 feet. Last season, it dropped down to 194 and this season, it dropped down to 190. That's the lowest. 
it had been climbing previously. In 2015, it was not 191. 2016, it was 191. 2017, it was 193. 2018, it was 196. And then, like I said, that high watermark in 2019 with 200. Um, but it is a full 10 feet uh, per batted ball less far this season than our last full season of baseball in 2019. So that led me to say, all right, let's just be sure now, Josh. Let's be super duper sure. Let's look at launch angle because maybe, maybe um, the Yankees are fucking this shit all up by not hitting their typical amount of large home runs. And it's possible. So in 2021, average launch angle is 17 degrees. That is simultaneously the third highest and third lowest of the StatCast era. Um, it is smack dab there in the middle. It is down from the last two seasons in 2020 and 2019. Um, the average launch angle in MLB was uh, 19 degrees. and it, But the years prior to that, it was lower. 2018, it was 18. 2017, it was 17. 2016, it was 16. 2015, it was 16. So the ball is... Six, 16 is the average launch angle? Um, if we were to actually average these out, I would say probably 17 is the average. Okay. From the way that made, my eyeballs are functioning. That just made me think of Eric Hosmer, but I'll let you finish your stuff and then we can mention him at some point. Not a problem, buddy. Um, so anyway, launch angle is down, but also not by levels we haven't seen. And it's also the ball is not going as far as it has in previous years, despite being hit harder than it has in previous years. I just redid all my searches to include all pitch types. So just to get a, a, a feel for what it looks like if we take away fastballs, the average exit velocity of everything drops because you're going to get weaker contact on balls that are meant to be hit weekly. You know, a lot of breaking stuff, a lot of off-speed stuff. Um, but still, this year is still the hardest hit um we're getting the hardest hit balls of the StatCast era. It's now tied with 2019 at 88 and a half, but it's at least holding steady instead of um, dropping in any way. So in 2019, 88 and a half miles per hour, average exit velocity in all batted balls, 2020 was 88, and now it's back up to 88 and a half. So still, it's not the top, top anymore as it was before, but it's still pretty high. Um, using all pitches, looking at distance, it's, it's still the worst year for distance of the StatCast era. 2015, average distance of 169 feet, kind of nice. 2016, it was 170. 2017, 172. 2018, 170. All right, so we're like right around that, you know, 170 plus or minus two. Uh, 2019, it jumps up to 174. And then last season, 2020, it dropped to 166, an eight-foot drop. 166 would have been the low water mark on its own. And then this year, 164 is even lower than that. And it's, again, still, including all pitch types, a 10-foot per batted ball drop from where we were in 2019. Again, early in the season, but still odd. And it's not like, like 10 feet may not sound like a whole lot, but God, that is a huge jump. Like, that is a huge amount for it to just fall out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, launch angle, again, instead of it being around, all around 17 and 18, it's all now all around 11 and 12. So this year's average launch angle is 12 degrees, which is 
the same as it was in 2020, 2018, and 2017s, and then the two years, three years that weren't that were average launch angles of 13 and 11. So it's all it's all right here. That's not a, a huge difference maker. It really does seem to just be the ball's not going very far, or at least is not going as far as it did last year or two years ago, despite contact rates that were the same, if not better. I mean, there's some some trigonometry we could do here to, to really break down the numbers and, and, and do all that. I don't want to do that. Do you want to do that? No, I hate a trick. God, God yeah, I hate so, a trick so, so we're much. just going to go off the cuff here, and, and I'll agree with you. This is some fucked up shit. Um, what I've heard is that the balls have increased drag, which would mm-hmm. be from those raised laces or the stitching, and then it, it's bouncing more, but also deadened. So I I don't know how that's possible. I don't know what How kind many of ways science. are there to wind string around a ball and slap leather on it? That's the thing that fascinates me. Uh, through science, Josh, all things are possible. Better living through chemistry. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, you know, it's early in the season, which means that uh, it's cold in places like Minnesota and it's Boston. Snowed on and, it, and more since then, it just snowed in the, the Minnesota game yesterday. Um, and really? yeah, I was watching the Twins Red Sox game for a little bit. It was like, it was coming down. It was wild. But, you know, they, they say that the ball doesn't travel as far. In cold weather, it, it, the the cold kind of like naturally deadens it a little bit. So this might end up very well changing as the season goes on. But it is an interesting early result that the ball is getting squared up rather nicely and just ain't flying like it used to. So, yeah, man. We'll keep an eye on it. Something's afoot. Oh, I'm sure because of how much it's been talked about the last like five years now, it's only going to be talked about ad nauseum once it gets to that point where we are seeing that noticeable difference. So I'm sure this will not be the last we discuss it. This isn't the last you'll hear of me. I'll get you my pretties. Manfred said to everyone who wanted to be an MLB fan. And he scared them away because he didn't want them. Yeah, you don't want no more fans. Hate that guy. Rob Manfred. He sucked. Awful. Just awful. Anyway. All right. So, um, mentioned it a little bit earlier on. Mm. Uh, Cora made a passing remark. What? What's up? Eric Hosmer. Oh, what about him? Good good hitter, you would say, correct? Historically, yes. throughout his career, you would rate him as a good hitter. We just had yes. a whole episode on whether or not he was the best, blah, 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 in his... Uh, you know, the number three offensive guy ever. Uh, do you know what, uh, do you know what his career launch angle is? 16 degrees. No. <laughs> what is it? 3.1. Fuck off. What? Yeah, 3.1. This year, negative 0.4. Wow, so he's just pounding balls in the dirt, huh? 2018, his average launch angle was negative 1.5. His career high is 20... Oh, I'm sorry, it was last year. It was 8.7. 
career high. Wow. He's never had... Oh, wait, that's Max. Uh, so, regardless, boy, I don't fucking know. Um, <laughs> oh, love it. Love to hear it. Oh, crime. Boy, I don't know. That's when I knew. Um, what do you think Giancarlo Stanton's career launch angle is? Who? John Carlo Stanton. Uh, 19. 11.9. Well, but interestingly enough, since 2019, it's been, well, I guess since 2018, it's been decreasing every year. 2018, it was 11.6 degrees. 2019, it was 7.9. Well, 2020, actually, it was pretty steady, 8.3. This season so far, 4.3 degrees of launch angle per batted ball event. That is going to increase. And because he is still, you know, smacking the shit out of balls, um, this season is his highest average exit velocity, his second highest average exit velocity of his entire career. Um, my boy is going to be hitting a fuck ton of home runs. You are correct, sir. I'm excited. Uh, anyway, anyway, we're going to talk about Max Fried a little bit because I have him on my fantasy baseball team and he's been very bad, which is weird because he's usually very good. Um, yeah. So we thought we top five Cy Young last year, gold glove. Very yeah. Good. For also, how old do you think he is? Twenty six. He's twenty seven. I I don't know why I still thought of him as being so new into the league. In my mind, he's like twenty four. But no, because uh, he kind of pittered around the minors for a while. Yeah, he but, only had uh, again twenty seven. He's got you know five years total in, in the majors with his first actual season being in 2019. So whatever. whatever. Yeah, his, his entire career is less than 300 innings so far. Wow. Yeah. That's wild because in uh, 2017, he pitched 26 innings. He was in nine games, only started four of them. 2018, 14 games, only started five of them. 2019 was his first like full season as a starter. He pitched 165 innings. Last season was a shortened season. So we only pitched 56 in 11 starts. And this season's still young, and he's been knocked around a bunch, so in three starts, he's pitched 11 innings and has led up the most hits in all of baseball, 23, and hit the most batters in all of baseball so far this season. He's hit three guys. So let's look a little bit at Max Fried and uh, where he stands this season as compared to last season and see if we can diagnose the problem as two guys who probably haven't watched more than two Braves, Braves games this season. I will say, you know, at least he's keeping his ERA down a 1.145. Oh, oh. oh, I'm sorry. I missed a decimal point. It's 11. 11.45. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. It hurts where I score. That's where it hurts. Oh, my fantasy team. Not that it matters, but anyway. So, Does your, Do you have a fucking STT? It hurts where I score. Yes. Uh, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. So, so far this season, uh, he has had 42 barrel ball events. So it's still, you know, that's, that's low. It's early mm-hmm. in the year. Um, as a rate though, that seems to, I'm just looking at it. That seems to be pretty fucking bad. Um, hold on a moment. I have to do some quick math because just going off how that looks compared to the other numbers, that seems less than ideal. So he's had, um, 
All right, so he's got 42 bad balls, vents on 229 pitches. So that's 18-ish percent. Um, last season, 151 barrel ball, but yeah, batted balls, I should say, Jesus, um, on 899 pitches. That's uh, uh, 16, 17%. So it's actually pretty close. Never mind. Interesting. So that's batted balls. His barreled ball percent is currently 7.1, which is the most in his career and over double what it was last year. Last season, he had a 3.3% barrel ball percent, which was phenomenal. And the year before that, he had a 4.6 barrel ball percent, which was also very good. So that's 7.1. So just for reference, uh, barrel ball is not just hitting the ball in a sweet spot on the bat. It also has to do with uh, launch angle and exit velocity, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah, that sweet spot of exit velocity and launch angle where you are most likely to get a high probability hit. Do you have to know run. what those numbers are off the top of your head? Oh, fuck you. God damn it. You son of a I bitch. I said off the top of your head, I did not want you to have to start doing research. <laughs> We've done that too much today. Fuck you. Um, We've searched too much information. We're too balls. smart. We have to accept that we're dumb. Ooh. Stone Ooh. base. Tommy Fam. Stole base. Guess who put too many L's in the world? Word barreled. Yeah, Mississippi. Right. Oh, shit. Um, it's about 98 miles per hour and 26 to 30 degrees. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Um. Anyway. Anyway. So he's getting barreled up a lot. So let's see if we can try to find somewhere in there that might lie a problem. So that being the case, addition to that, he's also allowing an average exit velocity of 86.3. That in of itself, honestly, isn't awful. Um, it's still below the average exit velocity in MLB, which, as we saw this year, um, is currently 88 and a half. And that's been pretty consistent over the past couple of seasons. And it's also not even the high watermark. His average exit velocity allowed in 2019 was 89.2. So that's higher than it is this season. And in 2019, he had himself a, a, you know, a pretty OK year. 402 ERA isn't great, but he had a one through one thirteen thirty four whip, which is fine. A three seventy two. FIP, which is fine by all accounts. That, those are fine numbers. Um, so right. that's not leading to the destruction that he has thus far. The launch angle he's allowing, though, is ticking up considerably. And this has ticked up every single season of his career, even the ones that barely count because he didn't pitch very much. Um, so let's just look from you know 2019 to 2021, I guess. 2019, average launch angle allowed, 4.3. Last season, 2020, 6.4. This season, 2021, 8.3. So we've seen at least or around two degrees of launch angle increase in what he's allowing per hit each of the last two seasons. And really each of the last three seasons, four, every year, literally every year, he adds about around two degrees of launch angle. Now, that could be attributed to pop-ups. doesn't necessarily mean that he's allowing a lot of barrel balls, but... Since his average exit velocity allowed is ticked up, his average launch angle is ticked up, and his barreled ball percent is uh, through the goddamn roof, um, chances are that's what's happening. But let's see if we can spot some more shit going wrong. Oh, God. 
Oh, God. What do you think his expected batting average allowed is right now? You are muted. That would be helpful to know. Thank you. Expected batting average allowed, 325. 322. Ooh, look at Corwin with the numbers. Oh, my God. Last year, it was 199. And the year before that, it was 247. So this is bad. Uh, but expected batting average just factors in, you know, um, a, a lot of the stats we've already looked at. So the idea that he's letting up a lot of contact um, isn't that surprising. Or this, the idea that he is expected to be allowing a lot of contact isn't super surprising. Now there was the fact that his expected slugging is 544. That's so bad. Last season, it was 284. This season, it's 544. So if you assumed his expected slugging, or sorry, if you assumed that his expected um, batting average was his expected on base percent, let's say he didn't fucking walk anybody, and you added that 322 to that 544, all of a sudden you're staring down the barrel of an 866 OPS allowed, and that's a good hitter. That's a really good hitter. It's not like mm-hmm. a, it's not it's not quite Mike Trout. That's still a good hitter. Um, yeah. His weighted on base average currently stands at 503. Whew. Um, and his expected weighting on, weighted on base is 402. Wow. Awful, awful, awful. Um, his hard hit percent is 45.2, which is the second high of his, highest of his career. Um, his strikeout percent is 21.9, which is the second lowest of his career. Uh, just taking the backseat to his very first season in the majors where he didn't pitch very many innings. So he's not drawing out the strikeouts. And he's also, interestingly enough, not walking people to a horrible degree. His walk percent as it stands right now is 7.8%. Last season, it was 8.5. So that's actually down from last year where he finished top five in Cy Young, as we said, Um, and lower than his average season. So, before we get into, you know, some more of the swing and miss stuff and what's actually happening with these pitches, um, I don't know. Outside of the barreled ball stuff, can you can you spot any issues yet? Uh, just looking at his his pitch graphs, his charts there, he just he's just not locating pitches well. You know, usually you you keep fastballs high. Breaking balls low, you know, curveball low and away, or, you know, yeah, low and away in the zone, sliders low and away. Try to keep your fastballs, sinkers, four seam, whatever, high. Um, not necessarily your sinkers. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's just, he just does not have the control, does not have any control this season. And by all means, that's something that can improve as the season goes along you expect it to improve um as the season goes on that being said it's it's a long road so i mean we've seen him pitch for so long quote unquote so long as in not a whole lot of time but what we have seen he's been an excellent pitcher i still fully expect him to to come back and and be a good pitcher i still expect him to come back and put a a good season but we're getting to the point where 
Time is of the essence. These are gonna, yeah, and and these numbers are really going to affect the uh, the way that his stats look at the end of the season. All right, so let's try to let's try to get a little bit grand, granular with it, even though I can't say that word. Um, we don't usually get into this much detail and stuff, but I'm actually having a good time with this, so we're gonna do it all the way yeah. anyway. So let's go pitch by pitch and see how the changes in how much they're moving might be affecting some of their stuff like whiff and um, um, barrel percent and whatnot. So let's start at the top, the highest usage pitch every pitcher has. Let's start with the four seam fastball. So in 2020, we're just going to do a hot comparison real quick. Just boom, boom, 2020 to 2021. So in 2020, Max Fried's four seam fastball was thrown at an average speed of 93 miles an hour, 93.1. It had 20 inches of vertical drop, which is 4.7 fewer inches against average. So um, it's whatever. It's the four seam fastball. That doesn't really matter too much. Um, it's horizontal movement was 1.4 inches of break, which is um, 5.6 um, percent worse than average. So below average in movement on both fronts with the four-seam fastball. This season, it's actually um, better on the vertical and worse on the horizontal as compared to average. This season so far, his four-seam fastball has 17.2 inches of drop, which is, um, funny enough, fewer inches of drop than its... um his 2020 counterpart, but uh, worse, better against league average with only being 3.2 percentage points worse. Um, his horizontal inches of movement, inches is inches of break, is uh, down from last year and worse against average. It's only 0.8 inches of break, so less than an inch per pitch of break on his four-seamer, um, and it's an allowing, and that is uh, 6.4% worse than average. So, Let's see how his four-seam fastball has done this season as compared to last season. So last year, he was he had an expected batting average of 183 on his four-seam fastball. This year, it's up to 329. Last year, his expected slugging on his four-seam fastball was 269. This year, it's 500 with his actual slugging on his four-seam fastball at 739. His fastball is getting rocked. 739 slugging. That's like a mediocre OPS. That's that's Mike Trout hitting hit his balls every time and going on a hot streak. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I it, that's just a ridiculous number. It, it it doesn't even like like compute. Um, the average exit velocity doesn't look that horrible as a jump. It only goes from eighty one point six to eighty two point five. It's less than an additional mile per hour. On, his, on contact and the launch angle is actually down from nine degrees to five degrees, but he's, it's just getting taken out. It really doesn't seem to have changed all that much. So maybe this would mean something delivery wise. Otherwise it must be usage. Cause if you look at spin, he's only, he actually added 34 RPMs of spin onto his fastball. So basically flat, that's fine in terms of change. Um, he's getting basically the same number of whiffs on it, 22.9 whiff percent in 2020, 22.4% this year. 
Uh, he's using it more as a put-away pitch, so maybe people aren't getting fooled by it, and it could be a usage problem. Um, and the speed's the same. So coupled with the fact that his break and movement isn't changing all that much, and I mean, it's worse in some spots and better than others, I, it's tough to tell if this problem is the four-seamer or not. What do you think? I mean, just looking at this, I was looking at the spin rates while you were you know, initially going into that, and looking over the spin rate for each one of his pitches, like you said, he's up a little bit on the four-seamer and the sinker. Everything else is down 100, 150 RPM, which is significant. Yeah, yeah. So do you want to talk about the slider next or the curveball? Uh, let's do curveball because that's his best pitch. Which is interesting because he is uh, not thrown it as much as his slider. His slider usage is up this year, whereas every other pitch's usage is down this year, which is really odd. Um, literally every pitch, curveball actually is a percent, is a little bit, is, oh, up very slightly. Um, but everything, everything else is down. So that slider is getting a lot of love. But anyway, let's look at his curveball first. So in 2020, he threw his curveball at an average speed of 74.3 miles per hour. This year, it's coming in at 75.2, so he's throwing it a little bit harder. Uh, in 2020, he got 67.6 inches of drop on average, which is 5.8% better than average. Uh, however, this season, he is getting 64.9 inches of drop on it, which is only 4% better than average. Um which I think may, might be able to be explained by the fact he's throwing it a little bit harder, maybe. Nah, it's probably just the loss of spin right that we talked about. But anyway, so it's still good. That's still good. It's not as good, but it's still good. Let's look at his um, horizontal movement on it, which doesn't matter too much. It's a curveball. They don't need to move side to side very much. Um, last season, 10.9 inches of break. That is uh, perfectly average. This year, 9.4 inches of break which is negative um, 0.7 or sorry, 0.7% worse than average. So an um, eh, inch and a half less movement horizontally, but that really, again, for a curveball, I don't think it matters much. Um, now let's look at its curveball results. So far this year, um, sorry, last year, I should say, he had an expected batting average on his curveball of 205. This year, so far, 259. Expected slug on his curveball, 265 last season. This season, 427. Um, his average exit velocity last season on his curveball, 87.7 miles per hour. This year, 96.5. Almost 10 miles an hour faster off the bat on the curveball last year to this year. People are seeing it, recognizing it, and finding it for hard contact that 96.5 eight miles an hour faster than your average hit uh the launch angle on that is also up from four degrees to nine degrees so doubled and as corwin said the spin rate on it is down 27 87 in 2020 this season 2644 it is down interestingly enough its whiff rate is higher 37.5 percent this year 31.2 percent last year but it's not spinning as much and people maybe for that reason are seeing it better what do you think i don't have answers josh i i am not a pitch guy i'd like to be a pitch guy i don't know enough about the inner workings 
I've just been losing my mind at his his p values that I've looked up. His p value numbers there? are hilarious. Um, all right, so 2019 that was his first full season uh, in Major League Baseball. Uh, his fastball came back with a negative 0.2 p value, so about average. Um, nothing significant there. His slider was absolutely his best pitch with a 6.4 p-val with his curveball bringing in a 1.8 and his changeup as a negative 3.2 2020 last season figured out his fastball brought it up from a negative 0.2 to a positive 3.7 slider dropped a little bit 2.0 curveball 1.7 changeup he fixed as well to a 0.4 so Positives across the board this year in reverse order. Change up 0.0. His curveball, which is my favorite pitch of his to watch, negative 2.5. His slider, which first year in major leagues, first full season, 6.4. This year it's negative 3.1. Oof. And his fastball, which we just talked about, 3.7 last year, negative 5.6 this year. Oh man. Okay, so let let let's talk about his his slider then. Um real quick we'll, maybe we'll make this the last pitch since these are a little bit lengthier. Um cuz fuck the change up. He doesn't throw it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, thrown it 3 times all season, so. Yeah, and last year he only threw it 44 times out of, you know, like a thousand pitches. So it doesn't really matter. Um it's not even close to a thousand pitches. That was a lie, but still. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. So his slider last season, 2020, threw at an average speed of 84 miles an hour. This year it's coming in at 86.3 miles an hour. So once again, second breaking ball that he throws that is getting thrown harder. Last season it had 39 inches of drop. That's 1.3% better than average. This year, 36.6% inches of drop which is fewer inches of drop, but better than what your average pitcher is doing so far into this young season, um, which is, so that makes it 1.8% better than average. Now it's, it's a slider. So the vertical break matters enough. It's really about the horizontal movement. So let's look at the horizontal movement here. Last season, 2020, his slider had 12.2 inches of horizontal break. It is 6.6% better than average. It is so fucking good. This year, 7.6. Now, that's still better than average by a, a bit. It's, it's 3% better than average. Like that, that's, that's good. That's very good. Mm-hmm. But that's still significantly less than it broke last season. And that's across the board. All of his pitches are breaking less than they're breaking last than they broke last season. Yeah. So I... if you. Go ahead. No, I have nothing significant. Uh, so you continue on. And so if we look at his spin rate, his spin rate is actually relatively flat. It's worse this season on the slider than it was last year, but only by 44 RPMs, which when we're talking in the you know neighborhood of 2,400, 44 isn't a lot. So that's relatively flat, but it's just not getting the same break on it. So you'd have to wonder if it's some level of his some function of his um, release points or, or his grip changing the rise of the seams. Maybe he's affecting something. 
because without the spin rate difference here, the colossal drop in how that ball is traveling in the air is wild. Um, His expected batting average has gone from 200 on this pitch up to 278. His expected slugging went from 284 up to 642. Yeesh. Um, It is actually not getting hit as hard. 82.3 exit velocity, miles per hour exit velocity last season. This year, it's 79.4. And the launch angle is pretty flat. 15 degrees last season, 13 degrees this season. And it's still getting a good number of whiffs, 35.1. As compared to last year, it only got 29% um, of the time it was thrown a whiff. But I, you have to wonder, and this is part of when we had Max Greenfield on a few months ago, we, we talked about this idea of capturing pitch sequencing as an idea for how effective your pitches are and how effective you are as a pitcher. And part of the idea behind pitch sequencing is that not only is it just throwing different pitches in a row, so you're not repeating yourself too much or anything like that, it's also... I showed you what this pitch looks like and it moved a certain way. Here comes another pitch that might start looking like it's the pitch before it and ends up doing something different and giving those different looks to a batter saying, I threw a fastball in the zone. It was called a strike. I'm now going to throw what looks like a pitch going in that exact same spot, but this time it's my slider and it ends up in the other batter's box but you swung at it because you needed to protect the zone. That's the idea of the pitch sequencing. And what I have to imagine here from a very cursory glance at some numbers, which I know this game is not played by numbers, but it's kind of played by numbers. Um, If the shit ain't moving right, it might lead to even guessing at the pitches based on how Max Fried's profile is lead to better results if even they're if they're wrong, they might be end up being able to make decent enough contact on it. If they're not darting as far away as you need them to to make your concept of pitch sequencing effective, there's five inches missing from his slider. If you were missing the barrel of the bat by three inches last season, you have now hit the barrel of the bat. That's bad. That's bad. It, that's a big difference. Again, I would like to reiterate that we have we are 11 innings into his season. There's a lot of time. Like if if you think, you know, what do we say 200 innings is is the you know, the the what we project, you know, when we talk about and have these discussions, you know, 200 innings, 150 innings, what have you, that's what, like five to 8% of his season. So 95 is left. He's got time to fix it. This is not going to, he's not going to finish the season with 11, four, five ERA. Oh God. No, unless his injury, because he did just land himself in the IL ends up being significantly worse than we think it is, but yeah. Lord willing, his season won't end with an 11.45 ERA. I don't think he's all that injured. Uh, if I had to take a random guess without having any inside knowledge about the injury itself, I think this might be a, a phantom DL stint or phantom IL stint just to get him a breather, get him out of the rotation, 
mentally put them back on track physically you know keep them 100 percent, things like that right if it does end up being more i'm sorry i mean we see it all the time the 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 mental il stance which is uh the manager going to you and saying my 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 guy <laughs> shit is rough out there for you right now why don't you take a breather and miss a couple starts and then we'll we'll try again in a couple weeks because I can't keep letting you get your shit rock like this. And it isn't good for the team and good for you. We let's reset. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that is totally fair. That's absolutely fair, but it is also funny that they have to give the excuse of his elbow hurts, his forearms tighten. Like you can't go to the media and be like, we're putting him on the IL with a case of the Mondays. <laughs> like who would, sh- who would have thought major league baseball significantly behind the curve on fucking mental health. Yeah, seriously, yeah. A, a mental health, missing missing a star for, for like mental health and, and just like, even if it's not as bad as like my crippling depression has taken over me and I, I can't physically get myself up to make the start, even if it's just the concept of I need to recover from what just happened last week, that should be a good enough excuse. But yeah, good good luck seeing that happen in MLB anytime soon. No, um, there he is. But uh, yeah, like, like you said, these are not going to be Max Fried's end of season stats, but it'll be interesting since he's so early into the year to be looking back. I guess, look, yeah, looking back at some later date at what changed of this and see if we can't see where, you know, it might end up just being Max Fried's personal success lies with these pitches or with how to alter his pitching game, but maybe even some larger insight as to how this is all supposed to work. Um, when you're really good as Max Fried has shown the capability of being. So again, you know, it'll be interesting to see what changes post IL stint and we're not going to do the start to start. That's too much. And we're not Braves fans, Um, but it will be interesting to see, you know, if he's able to pick, pick back up his season and carry on even at 75% of the capacity of the Max Fried that we saw in 2020, um, what here changes and what we can learn from that. Um, yeah, throw the pitches where you want to throw them. <laughs> Has he considered he could just pitch better? <laughs> I don't understand why he's just allowing them to hit. Why does the bigger fish not simply just eat the smaller fish? No. Nope. Why humans, does Ross... Humans was the word I'm looking for. But... Why does Ross, the largest of the friends, simply not eat the others? Yeah. I just figured it out. Yeah, I know you. I know who you are. He figured me out. He knows what shows I've been watching lately. I'm on his Disney account. Bum, 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 bum. I don't want to get sued. Uh. <laughs> what fucking Disney Fox lawyers watching this right now? All of them, man. They got hounds. Some intern mm. sent to scrub the podcast sphere. Ah. Mm. Uh. Now, we did have another line item, which is discussing um, Yankees lineup construction because it is one of the wackier ongoings in baseball right now. Probably going to table that for next conversation we have since we've been running long today, and it's somewhat of a lengthy conversation. But, my God, this is one of the more interesting lineup construction stories in baseball today as um, we've seen – Gio Rochello start taking reps at shortstop and playing in the lineup at shortstop. And just today, Aaron Hicks, the Yankees center fielder, was taking reps at second base. And 
boy, is that puzzling. And uh, did cocaine prices happen to just drop precipitously in New York City? Now they've risen because Cash and, and the front office are just doing rails to try to figure this shit out. <laughs> but it's it's a fascinating it's a fascinating story because of the decisions within the decisions that are clearly being made about how best to put the type of offense on the field that they want. Um, but again, I, I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you want to talk about it now or do you want to save it for later? Uh, I'd save it for later. We're right. approaching like two hours yeah. or an hour. And I don't know how long we've been on. It's a long time. Yeah, it's tough because we talk before you people hear us talk. And that's the way the news it's goes. True. Yeah. But anyway, who who to think we're friends outside of this? Uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, you're right. <laughs> silly, silly me. Uh, uh, all right. So yeah, we'll, we'll save it for later, but it is a uh, wild and wacky stuff. Um, in addition to that, there's not too much news going on in the world of baseball on a, on a larger scale. Um, there is still the NFL draft coming up and we're going to do a, uh, a week's worth of draft stuff in like two days. So we're going to get ready for that shit. So as the draft rapidly approaches later this month, um, we'll have that for you. Uh, and we'll again, you know, and continue I'm woefully with. unprepared. And you know what's funny is by the time we record this, he will still not be prepared. He will forget to prepare the second this recording ends. Um, so anyway, we hope you enjoyed listening to us, Google. <laughs> I still can't believe how much of that this episode that was, and I will not edit it out because I am horrendously lazy. Um, and you know what? You deserve this. listening Terrible to employee, it. terribly lazy, terrible, 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 all the way down the board. Yeah, I'm I'm the worst. Oh, where am I? Throwback Mike Trout jersey. Uh, he didn't play in the era these jerseys were worn mainly, but it's a cool jersey, so it's Mike Trout on the jersey. Um, and Black Lives Matter hat because it's important as always. But yeah, anyway, forgot about both those things. I put them on for a reason. Forgot about them, which reminds me again. Shit, Jesus Christ! Jackie Robinson Day is tomorrow. Is the day this episode airs? We've done a lot on Jackie Robinson in past. Uh, years. This is our th- third Jackie Robinson day heading into um, heading into the day. So I, you know, we, we've, we've talked about Jackie Robinson's stats. We talked about Jackie Robinson's stories. Um, obviously, Jackie Robinson continues to be one of the most important figures in baseball history, in American history. Um, but I want to take this opportunity to at least just shout out a story that is happening for Jackie Robinson Day, and that is. Um, several players who are going to be donating their game salaries for Jackie Robinson day to the players Alliance. Um, it will be uh, David price, Jason Hayward, uh, Jackie Bradley jr. Um, and it says among others, but I don't see a complete list more than a hundred MLB players altogether though, will be donating their um, Jackie Robinson day game checks to the players Alliance, which was developed by MLB players last season um, an attempt to uh, affect change, especially in uh, black and minority communities on behalf of the MLB and the MLB players union and uh, on behalf of the players who grew up 
in areas that have been traditionally underserved or have strong minority populations. So just wanted to give a shout out to the uh, Players Alliance doing great work, to the individuals who make up the Players Alliance and who have built our community strong um, and built their own communities strong, I should say, um, continuing to do just great work and being out there and, you know, making a difference and bringing attention to their causes. So Jackie Robinson would certainly be proud. I think that's safe to say as a guy who has spent much of his time playing baseball and trying to advance, um, you know, his view of what the country should be and what it really was supposed to be forward. And, you know, players today taking that, taking the reins and moving forward with those same ideals. It is a genuine, genuine, wonderful thing to say. So tip of the cap. Absolutely. Good. And gun, you know, David Price, I, I know he's not the only one, but he's one of the, the bigger names spearheading this. So, um, you know, really uh, happy to see the players take this into their own hands and uh, be making changes or be working towards making change. So all power to him. Yeah. Again, and David Price, one of the best people in baseball. Great guy. Never mm-hmm. met him, but I've never once heard a negative story about him that wasn't derived from Boston media being a dick. Um. So good on you, David Price. All right. Amen. Anything else before we get out of here? I got a new hat. Corwin is wearing the new hat. Yes. Okay. That's all I got. It's Pittsburgh Pirates hat, which is funny because they're playing the Padres right now and beating the Padres for now. Padres are losing. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a lucky hat. You jinx. No, you jinx yourself because the Padres are losing. But like it's a pirate's hat, so like it's a lucky pirate's hat. Or it's gonna end up as your anti-Padres hat. It's tough to say yet. You gotta shake it out. You gotta, you gotta, we gotta, you know, you gotta see what happens with it. Uh, but anyway, we'll leave, we'll leave that for another time. Um, so if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at you. Probably never tweet from there. So instead, I would recommend you follow Corwin on Twitter at Corwin Heller. You follow myself on Twitter at Joshua D. Tracy. If you want to send us an email, any episode ideas, anything you want to talk about, we're here for you. Um, at juicingthenumbers at gmail.com and until Monday y'all have a good one bye